Nation, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 755 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview Sandy Kim. She's a licensed pharmacist, and now she's a generalist at a biotech. She's done everything from medical writing to monitoring to CTA to CTM to pharmacovigilance. I mean, really, she followed the blueprint of going small small biotech and using her scientific background to get exponential returns on her education. And she's just getting started in this space. So everybody go connect with her. Link is in the show notes. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a special thank you to my sponsors, Viva Site Vault. It's absolutely free e-reg, e-doa, e-signatures. If you wanted to digitize your site's ISFs, it's free now. There's no excuse. Amazing, easy to use. Check it out in the show notes. Next sponsor is Creo. Not free, but it's eSource, eReg, CTMS, patient recruitment, so much more. E-consent, all rolled into one place. I cannot live life without Creo at my site. Check it out in the show notes. Another one in the show notes is Inato. I actually have to go back on this website today and get myself another study for to make up for the one I lost, which is a long story, a whole nother podcast. But check it out. You can get studies from there. It's an awesome tool, absolutely free. Another free one is Versatrial. Organize all your bookmarks, organize your passwords, organize your feasibility surveys, everything in one place, absolutely free. And finally, 1N Health, the best central recruitment company in the industry. They saved me on one of my studies. It's an honor for me to have them as a sponsor. Thank you so much, 1N Health. With that being said, Enjoy the show. Guru Nation, thank you so much for watching. Look, you guys and gals keep asking, you know, what can a pharmacist do in clinical research? And we're lucky enough to have Dr. Sandy Siwoon Kim. She's a PharmD. She works in clinical research. She's in a pharmacovigilance. There's a lot that we can learn from her in her role at a, at a biotech for the past almost three years now. But we're also going to talk about just pharmacists in general and the career path. And also you, Sandy, what you want to accomplish still in your young career. So thank you so much for coming on. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me today, Dan. (laughs) I feel special because I always listen to your podcast podcast <laughs> and now i'm here today well thank you. you know we're special because we get to listen to you and uh <laughs> you know it's not that often we get a pharmacist on that mm. works especially in pharmacovigilance and for a biotech but maybe let's start at the beginning how did you get started in clinical research okay so i'm a california pharmacist i've been working in a long-term care um some psychiatry uh, some community experience. And then um, I was privileged to uh, get introduced to clinical research with my friend's referral. So I made a career shift into clinical research about two, little more than two years ago. That's so I nice made a friend. career transition. What, what I'm sorry? Friend, I said, that's a nice friend. What did that friend tell you? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, my friend was already in the industry and he recommended me um, I could be a good fit uh, as a pharmacist. So I did try. I wanted to try something different too. So, and I did try and I, it was really good. I learned a lot. Um, it was very different. Uh, it was very challenging actually because everything was so different. And although I do did have a uh, some some transferable soft skills, <laughs> um, learning on new uh, terms and technology was a little difficult in the beginning, to be honest. <laughs> what was your first role in research? Oh, so I initially started as a clinical trial associate, and then I did some uh, monitoring too, and then I moved up to clinical trial manager. But since it was a biotech company, I was involved with a different role as well, such as, like you mentioned, pharmacovigilance. I was also helping out with some of the regulatory work and some business development side too. So I got to try out different role, which gave me idea which area I like the most. So it was a good experience. Yeah, sponsor side's definitely interesting. I want to get more into the biotech. But when you, you said your first role was CTA, clinical trial administrator, but you were already a licensed pharmacist. Mm -hmm. So did it ever come up in your interviews, hey, you're too, you're overqualified? Oh, yeah, um, true. Uh, I was a little bit hesitant in the beginning, too. But then at the same time, I didn't have any clinical research experience. And to be honest, I still wanted to get more experience over the pay or the qualification. So I did still try. And the more I did, uh, I, I felt like a lot of pharmacists can actually do this job it, and there's so many options to go into even in the industry too so I wanted to actually um, uh, spread the word out for a pharmacist who's interested in clinical research uh, although in the beginning it may be challenging and different but it's a very rewarding job and I highly recommend them trying out mm -hmm. yes because a lot of I know because a lot of pharmacists, whether they're U.S. licensed or international equivalent, doesn't really matter. A lot of pharmacists are messaging me like, hey, what can I do in research as a pharmacist? But with a lot of them, like this issue of being overqualified does come up in the job interviews. Mm -hmm. um, but I think like so uh, what I'm hearing you say is it did come up in your interview as well, but you assured them that you're okay with a lesser salary initially or did that never come up uh yeah and also um it was uh, more of for me trying so yeah for me at that time it was okay to try out but then I ended up uh, working more and you know it worked out okay after all but then in the beginning um I could see that some pharmacists could have a, a problem, like problem. <laughs> or like it could be a issue for some pharmacists because their pay is usually very high <laughs> and compared to the research side. So, yeah. At least in the beginning, I think that's the 
two to three years. Uh, yeah. When you're new to any industry, and research is a different industry uh, than regular pharmacist role in healthcare. Right. It's, sub, it's a sub niche. Uh, two to three years until you can probably meet or exceed your previous salary for most pharmacists. I would. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Yeah. Why? Why do you think so many pharmacists? I know I asked you this on the live stream, but a lot of people didn't watch that. So, why do you think so many pharmacists are uh, frustrated with their job and want to do other things? Uh, I guess uh, in a retail setting, um, I would say the job can be very repetitive, um, and also. When the economy is not that well, they don't get enough help, and it could be very um, busy sometimes when there's a lot of customer, you get to do multiple things all at once. The quality of work can be lower and their job satisfaction can be lower too. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, but I guess it can, some people still love their job and it depends, I guess. Yeah, You were you on the retail side? Actually, I did uh, most of my job was from long term care, um, but I did have retail experience, too. So I kind of know how busy it can get. <laughs> Do you think there's a role in clinical research recruitment when it comes to pharmacists? So, yeah, I actually wanted to ask your thoughts about that, too, because you're in the site level and I'm yeah. sure uh, you're very involved with patient recruitment. Uh, but as a uh, outpatient or independent retail pharmacy, I, I, I could see that there's a potential for them helping out or collaborating with the site for maybe patient recruitment uh, for diverse patients. Um, any thoughts on that? Or maybe, I don't know how the pay would work out. Maybe they can get a referral fee. I'm not sure with the payment. Yeah. Because I don't have a site. Part, the tricky part's the referral fee because if you're at a big chain pharmacy, you know that's you're not really allowed like CVS, Walgreens. Right. And by the way, CVS has their own. I think both of them, CVS and Walgreens, both did clinical research. One of them stopped. The CVS closed. Yeah. CVS closed the research. So Walgreens is still doing research. They, and they, mm -hmm. they do it inside their their clinics, but they only do right. those observational study. They don't do like the real interventional study where you have to have like all these assessments and four hour visits. It's just quick in and out type of visits like nasal swab or mm -hmm. vaccine, uh, those kind right. of studies. Now, I've tried working with independent pharmacists in the past. Oh, you did? Yeah, small mom and pop. As a matter of fact, I know a few that own sites in the pharmacy. Mm. So they're doing what CVS and Walgreens is doing, but on a you know on a practical scale of a small site, and they're actually okay. well suited to do it. Uh, yeah. The problem is still for them; they need a PI, so you need a mm -hmm. doctor to come do the PI work, an MD or a DO, because mm -hmm. for the most part, they won't allow pharmacists to do PI as a um, industry sponsored trial for mm -hmm. some reason they just won't do, they won't allow it um it needs to be md or do because they I... want like the actual clinical care yeah. you know and from what i understand pharmacists don't actually do clinical care they're just the uh, clinical support mm -hmm. right. pharmacology yeah. and those kind of things making sure there's no interactions and all the stuff mm -hmm. you guys do well
I've tried also to um, advertise on independent pharmacies back, like the back, which has worked. Um, Oh. the problem is, you're right, it's the referral. Like, what's appropriate? Uh, what's enough to get the pharmacist interested? They certainly have the database, right? Now, maybe you can answer this. Is the pharmacist allowed, if I bring, let's say I find an independent pharmacist and I go to them and I say, hey, you know what? I have this study. This is what I need. Chances are you're not going to have like lab results, but you're going to have a medication list, right? So Mm -hmm. I'll ignore the lab results. I'll just go to diagnosis and medications like these are the patients I need in your database, anyone that qualifies, let me know. Are they allowed to actually give me that info or they would have to call the patient themselves and say, hey, we Okay, have a huge I, opportunity. I see. Uh, for that, I will have to look into more for the law part, but I, I'm thinking because of the HIPAA issue, I think it needs to be checked with the patient first to release any information. Um, but I I see that they could, um, they are very qualified to review any medication or for pre-qualification or inclusion exclusion criteria. So they, I believe, yeah. Even Once, the pharmacy text would be good for this. oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, they Yeah, could even do that. well, the pharmacy tech would be great clinical research coordinators. I think so. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that, too. Mm -hmm. That's why I think that these small independent pharmacists, the ones that still exist, I mean, <laughs> it's not that common, but they're out there in the communities. They would make really good research sites. And, it, Yeah. you know, if Walgreens is still doing it, it means it's, obviously opportunity so Yeah. I've, I've always wanted to encourage more pharmacists Mm especially hmm the independently owned and operated pharmacies to mm hmm Yeah. do the research So, because yeah. urgent cares do the urgent cares do this and they do a good job Oh, yeah, the little clinic also yeah with the doctor. I it's think a it very will, similar setting urgent care pharmacy right, same kind yeah, of thing you know makes so sense. But yeah, I was actually gonna encourage other uh, pharmacists myself, like promote the awareness that they have this option other than only going into sponsor side, there's something else to be available at, to try out, especially for independent pharmacy. Yeah. Independent Mm -hmm. pharmacy, the ones that are out there, they already understand because they're entrepreneur, right? So they already understand how to run a business. They have the pharmacy techs there. They can just hire another farm tech. They make very good coordinators. Right. And then just probably have a few exam rooms in the back or figure out a way to make it work or even rent like an off-site location. And so Mm when hmm a patient comes into the store, you say, okay, we have a studies, let them pre-screen you next door. And then next door you have another suites or something where you can actually screen, pre-screen them. I think it's really interesting idea. It never Yeah. Mm-hmm. worked for me as a working with my pharmacist because of what you said, they're busy. And I was paying based on randomization. So I was paying like, hey, if we get a randomization, you know, we'll get a, depending on the study, $600 to $1,200 fee for the pharmacist. And I called it like a pre-screening fee because they would help us pre-screen, but then they would have to qualify or else 
I'm as a site owner losing money on screen film. Oh, oh so the problem was always this disconnect between the work they have to do up front and getting paid. But I think if they owned it themselves, they would be more incentivized to do. I see. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I just wanted to confirm, like, um, as a site expert yourself, I wanted to check if there's something that they can be done. But yeah, I think it's just such a great idea. For and if it's guys. cheap enough, and I would do it again, there's just no, there's no independent pharmacies near me now. It's all big chain, Walgreens, mm. Walmart. Mm -hmm. um, but if there were a big, like a small mom and pop near me, pharmacist, I would, if it was cheap enough, I would advertise on their bag because I mm -hmm. think you could get volume. The majority will screen fail. Uh, matter of fact, the majority you will not even screen. Um, so it's a lot of work to get those few patients to randomize, like from a high volume, like a bag. But I think if it's cheap enough, it's worth it. So yeah. with a lot of these independent, you can find a good deal with them. Mm. That's yeah, I think that. that's a very good idea. Thanks for sharing. But there's not that. enough. Uh, there's not enough independent pharmacists. Is that good for that, or it's just too competitive? Uh, yeah, I I think a lot of the reimbursement um wise um dispensing is not only dispensing will not make enough profit, but maybe they will have to try vaccination or any other. Clinic, for example, like you said, clinical trial can be additional income source of uh, somebody's interested, but they got to find other alternative ways to build the profit. Otherwise, it'll be hard. I think. If you're a pharmacist that owns a pharmacy, text me 949-415-6256. We can help you start a site. I know it works. We've had I know, really. We've had clients before that did it successfully. So it oh, works. yeah? It works. Yeah. Okay. There's not enough. There's not enough. Um, oh. But the ones that are out there, they make an impact on their community, and that's mm -hmm. that's enough for that community. But back to I will also promote that. <laughs> I know your YouTube channel has a lot of good information on patient recruitment and site opening, so definitely thank you, thank they should you. contact you. <laughs> so you did CTA and then CRA for a biotech, right? For one. Oh uh, yeah, initially I did some monitoring, but then I did mostly a management role later on. So uh, I helped out with the PM, project manager, but um, vendor management, uh, I would uh, help out with the paperwork, um, wow. with a lot of regulatory stuff. So, so you've yeah. done everything really. A little bit of everything, <laughs> yeah. All, all at the sponsor level, right? All at the small. Oh yeah, at the sponsor biotech. level, right. And now you're a CTM, clinical trial manager. Uh yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're probably getting bombarded with sites wanting to do studies. Like, hey, Sandy, give me your study. You know, give oh. me your next study. Let me participate. Or do you not reach? Do you not hear from sites? Oh, actually, um, our studies um, didn't really get that much site interaction. Uh, I mean, not with me, but with uh, my CRA, other CRA did a lot of site interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did contact a lot of vendors, mostly. Oh, you did vendors. So you were the one in charge of like, hey, this is a potentially good CRO. 
Oh yeah, yeah. We uh we had a, our own CRO too sometimes. So uh, we would talk to the CRO whether they follow their timeline, uh whether they do uh, uh meet their project deadline and stuff. So mm -hmm. wow. Um and I see on the on the uh indication so osteoarthritis is one of the leading indications for you guys. Um, oh, we had a lot of on, uh, oncology studies and some pain medication and some rare disease like IPF in interpulmonary fibrosis. Okay, okay. So you were involved with all of these programs? Uh, actually, a uh, little bit of everything. Uh, I did a little bit of PMS study. Uh, in pain management, and I did uh, phase one and two in oncology. Wow. So as a CTM working directly for a biotech, I imagine it could be very stressful. Can you kind of walk us through some of that uh, job? Or oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it could be um, when everything comes all at once, when the deadline um is coming also because it's a small biotech i not only i did um one thing there's another thing from other department that i have to take care of such as for example regulatory i have to make sure their deadline is on time so sometimes it could get very busy you're a real generalist <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> it was a good experience i got to try out different things and i i realized oh this part i'm good at but this part i do need more skills and that's a, a learning stage for me <laughs> what what are you good at and what do you still need to develop your skill set more uh, oh okay so i because i had little bit of experience on different areas i think i could be a good management role like um where i need to communicate with different departments so i'm good with um communicating with my colleagues in different departments make sure they understand what they have to do so i guess um ctm was a good um start for me when project manager can be a a good um career i I guess with my strength, <laughs> but I do need more skills, definitely. Well, of course, but you're young. I mean, you have so much time to develop your your skills. You know the where I think you're in such a unique position, and I think mm. you could be an inspiration to more pharmacists out there because what you're doing, working for a early stage biotech, even when it becomes late stage. The fact that you, like one day they say, hey, Sandy, we need help doing this regulatory affairs. Now we need help with pharmacovigilance. Now we need help with maybe site selection or vendor procurement. Now we need help maybe writing the protocol. I don't know if you did you get it. Oh, yeah, I did a little bit of that too. <laughs> you did so much already in like a not even three years, right? So mm -hmm. just let's imagine another three years of the same. Now you have literally you can run i don't know about the entire thing but the majority of a biotech operations at least from a development perspective you can mm. manage the whole thing those people that have that skill set like a generalist are so rare mm. you know and you're always going to be in demand um people like you i know i've worked with people like you who have been doing this for 50 years, not just three, 
Oh, wow. I mean, their phone is constantly ringing. Like, they're consultants. You know, they started their own consulting agencies. And that because no one has all that info. Like, it's so good. If I'm, let's say I'm an entrepreneur and I discover, like, or I discover, I find a molecule that I want to develop. Instead of calling 30 people to get one thing done, like, you do this, you do that, I call Sandy. She she can do like twenty of it, and if she doesn't know, she at least knows someone else who can, right? So mm -hmm. it's, you're in this unique place that I think so many other pharmacists could get to, and there's actually a need for it. There's, do you see that developing further? Like, do you see a need for this first of all? Because like you just work for one biotech, right? There's thousands. Out there. <laughs> Not everyone has a Sandy. Like, some of them need somebody like you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be open to learn more, of course. I'm always um, curious to learn more. And, um, yeah, um, I just, uh, because of my unique background with outpatient and long-term care and this clinical trial, clinical research experience, I'm trying to see what I, like you said, I'm trying to bring more pharmacists uh be an advocate <laughs> and while I uh, continue to build on my skills in the clinical trials that that's what I want to do for now <laughs> but if there's more opportunity I'm happy to learn of course here's here's why I think the majority don't do it don't do what you did okay mm. I think it was a few months ago another pharmacist texted me and they they had a lot of student debt, but they were they were older. They're still young, but they were older. They were in their mid-40s, and they had kids. Mm -hmm. So they had a stable job with a big chain pharmacy, but they text me, hey, I'm really stressed out. You know, I'm making like, I think it was 150000 a year. Can I make this mon same money in research? And I said, yes, you can, but not right away. Yeah. And I think that's that last part is what prevents so many people from getting in maybe a lot less than 150K. But in two years, three years, if you really become generalist like Sandy, you know, that's very easy to replicate and then surpass. Like you're mm -hmm. in the still in the beginning, but that's surpassable by most if you do the right networking, connect with the right people, mm -hmm. develop your skill set. That's like 150 will be nothing compared to what you can make. Mm -hmm. But that initial sacrifice oh, yeah. when you already have student loans and you have a family, yeah. it's almost impossible. It's almost like a golden handcuff. Yeah, it could be hard. Yeah, a lot of people. I yeah, I could see that. I don't so much know if there's a way around that. I don't know if you, if you think there's any solutions for getting over that initial. Uh, I would say if they're really interested in clinical research, uh, I would have them actually, like you said uh, earlier, um, they could still get into research by helping out with patient recruitment, uh, like on the side, um, with their 
outpatient or chain work, they could still be part of the research by doing that. Or like you said, <laughs> um, oh, they could still help out with the doctor's referral. They could help out with side effect management, like so much to do um, just by, I guess, part-time <laughs> in addition to their work. They could see if they really enjoy it in the beginning, um, not just concentrated on the money, but with their actually if they like it or not they could at least try it for a little bit and if they really like it they could still make money on this on their initial job but they could also get some experience i think that's how they can start uh if they're mid-career like you mentioned but uh, otherwise like if they're a student or right out of uh, pharmacy school um they could like you said Oh, you have so many options you mentioned in your YouTube too, but they could still do that on this while they're in school. I think the earlier they start, I think it would be a good chance for them to be part of the research. I think that's really good advice, actually. Like starting out, if you're mid-career, starting mm -hmm. out maybe a side gigs, you know, mm -hmm. um, patient recruitment might be mm -hmm. the easiest, most practical thing, but it's also maybe not enough um, compensation. Right. I I would want to lean towards like a medical writing maybe, or do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or what about like publishing? Like how do you get into medical writing, you think? Just have to find a company that needs your scientific expertise or? Usually, yeah, medical writing, once you have a science background and you do have writing skills, I think that's, Pretty, it's pretty. I don't think it's too hard to get in initially. Actually, they are looking for part time, like. Oh yeah, really? They don't have a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of these biotechs, especially for something like medical writers. Uh huh. They may not want to pay someone like full time salary. Right. That might be perfect for them to find oh, yeah. a contractor, and then now you're a contract medical writer. Mm -hmm. Then they need you help for something else, maybe pharmacovigilant. Right. Medical monitor. I mean, maybe that's the way to get medical monitors to mm -hmm. research. Yes. I, I think. Yes. I think so too. Um, and um, even um, in the sponsor side, uh, they do have a medical communication. Um, they have marketing. Um, they have so many options in the sponsor side too. Uh, if they really want to try out different um, career path like on the sale you're to... right medical liaison right the yeah medical liaison is very competitive i think among pharmacists already oh. uh but they have uh, other entry point like um um uh medical communication they could try out with cro cmo um uh what else mm. Yeah, like CRA, it's not really entry, but they could still take your CRA Academy and go and yeah. <laughs> do the yeah. CRA role. Um, yeah. But even CRA, like 150K for a pharmacist to like to be a CRA and make that, it's still like a yeah. senior the salary, CRA, mm -hmm. right? That's not a like beginning junior CRA. Yeah. That's the problem. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that little um, time of 
that experience, I think, lead to more potential, I like you mentioned. I tell them, but then they say, yeah, I know, but I can't. I have three kids and student loans, and oh. I live in a Orange County, you know, super expensive. Like, everything's mm -hmm. working against that. Yeah, I understand. That's a big part. Huge, plus the health benefits they get. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. It's so much working against you, but if you, there's always ways. You know, if it was so easy, everyone would have done it already. Mm -hmm. That's so true. The fact that it's hard can be your competitive advantage. Mm. I don't true. have anything else to say, but that's it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's it's hard. A lot of time there's stuff in the that situation, like you mentioned, and it's hard. I mean, scared to try new things once you're in that um, zone, you know? So I totally understand. But... Yeah. Yeah, but if they really want to try out new things, they, they don't like their jobs and they want to try out, I think it's a good idea, like you mentioned, to look into it more while they're doing their job. I absolutely agree. I was almost a pharmacy student um, at undergrad. I was molecular cellular bio, but I thought that was your major also. Oh, yeah. Bio, yeah. But I couldn't get into pharmacy school. And then I got mm. into research by accident. Um, oh, by accident. Oh, okay. It was med pharmacy school first, then medical school. Mm -hmm. And then I tried uh, osteopathy. None of them. Oh, wow. Uh, my grades oh, look where you're now. <laughs> Entrepreneur. <laughs> my grades were just not good. But maybe it was a blessing mm. in disguise. Oh, yeah. Days. You know, that's what I think. But I think I get so excited about this topic because I know there's so many pharmacists that work hard, but they are overworked, underpaid, believe it or not. Yeah. And they don't see research. Maybe the lucky ones see research like you. I would consider you like one of the lucky ones. You had a mm -hmm. friend who suggested you do this and boom, you know, now you're just starting your new career in research, but you're starting at the sponsor level. And like I said, there's only a handful of people like you. As long as you keep developing your skill set, uh, you can go really far with this career. So, oh, okay. Good luck. Do everybody go connect with Sandy right now? Her LinkedIn is underneath this video, uh, and she's yeah, she's out there networking with people. I know, I see her on the live streams, commenting, asking good questions. She's very interested in the patient recruitment aspect. So. There's a lot we can discuss, too, in the future, Sandy. Are you coming to Save Our Sites SOS conference? Oh, actually, I did buy your ticket, so I'll be oh, there. Nice. I'm excited to network there, uh, meet all of you. <laughs> I'm excited to meet you, too. So you're in Korea right now, but where do you live? Do you live in uh, California or do you live? Uh... Oh, yeah, in California. I'm planning to go back end of this year or early next year, January. Sandy, everybody go mm -hmm. connect. She's coming to SOS. So connect with her. And uh, thank you so much, Sandy, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you to you, too. Thank you for having me today and your time and all of your insights today. We'll do it again. Everybody, like, subscribe, comment, share. Go follow Sandy right now.